This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode I'm going to be taking you guys back to the year in 1998 to look at Guy Ritchie's uh, cult classic movie Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. And joining me today for the show, I couldn't think of anybody better to uh, talk about this movie with, is my good friend uh, Mark Lockhart. Mark, how you doing bud? How you doing? Yeah, good to have you back on the show mate. Yeah, good to be back, mate. Good fun. Enjoyed yeah. the last one. Yeah, that was it. Um, Beverly Hills Cop, wasn't it? We did. Yeah, time. yeah. Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> Such a good film. Five thousand dollars. Five thousand dollars. Five thousand. Read my lips. Five thousand dollars. Turn a banana in your tailpipe. <laughs> oh God. Um, so timeless. So this is another quotable movie, isn't it? I mean, that's probably the understatement for this uh, film. But before we get into Lockstock, uh, what have you been up to, mate? You been up to anything? Um, yeah. Um, so I did a little bit of a little stint, um, doing a lot of actual extra work. Yeah. Um, not acting, but some upcoming TV series um, and films, which is cool. Um, got myself a new job working in the film and TV industry. Yeah. I uh, work for an action car uh, company that provides action vehicles for, the, again, film and TV industry. Um, that's going really well. I've been there now for about three months, and I'm working on three Netflix series, one BBC series, and a feature-length movie. Wow. So this is this is like the, ultimately the dream job for you, isn't it? I know, because I know how much you love like doing all your extra work, and you're, you're a big fan of movies in, in general. And yeah. obviously, I know that this this is you can't talk a lot more about it than what you've just said, which I appreciate. But mate, it, no, it unfortunately sounds, not. Oh no, no, I appreciate that. Um, but but I would love I, I would love to. Obviously, when things do come out, and um, you know, if we do hook up again on on this, it would be great to talk about. Oh them. yeah, absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, no, it sounds like you're having a great time there, mate. Um, the other thing I was going to say, um, you did um, some film extra work. Uh, a little while ago now was it mm. for the was it the White House Down franchise wasn't it uh, I think it was the latest installment oh Angel Has Fallen yeah Angel I, did that. I fallen. did that I actually did that in 2018 I think it was I know I mean how things have you know with the way the world is and everything isn't it <laughs> I was oh, like it's mad isn't it I remember you posting it on Facebook or something and um, I yeah I speak yeah to you it was a very menial part. It's a very, very small part, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I was in there. I was a police. I was a policeman um, in America, inverted commas, in America, but filming in the UK. Yeah. And um, we're. I'm in a. I'm in this police car, and we're skidded to a hole, and there's a truck in. The, there's a truck in front. The trunk goes on its side, and um, what's his what's his name? The guy, the lead, um, Gerald it's Butler, Gerald jumps Butler. out of the truck, and runs off into the forest, and I run after him with a torch and a gun, oh, my mate. police outfit. 
<laughs> you know what? That sounds like a cool part as an extra. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, it, doesn't get better, it doesn't get better than that as an extra. Mind you, no, it does actually. Because recently I did a uh, uh, a new series um, called. It's got Olivia Coleman uh, as, as the lead. Oh yeah. And uh, David Thewlis. Um, they they both play the leads in this this series. I'm sure if you Google it, you better find it. Um, but uh, I play a detective. And it's a feature. It's a feature detective. So when you watch it, hopefully you'll see a lot of me. Oh really? One. Oh wow! Yeah. So you obviously get some like speaking parts in that as well, then, do you? Not so much speaking parts as such. Obviously, you're in the background and you're you're interacting with the main with the main cast. Yeah. Uh, which is which is brilliant, and you get to see, um, you know, Olivia Coleman deliver some of the most like amazing lines. Like she's got Oscars, and you can see why she's got. You know, right. Academy Awards and all that jazz. It's just amazing. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just good, like rubbing shoulders with these guys and sort of learning from them, watching them. And, and it's just part, just part of, just adds to the, to the whole uh, um, experience of being a, being an extra or a supporting artist, as they like to be called, in the industry. So please tell me you're wearing a trench coat, Mark. As this yes, you are. I am actually wearing a trench coat. I'll send you a picture. I'll send you a picture later. <laughs> I'm wearing so a glad you said I've that, got man. a suit. I've got a suit on. I look. I've got a goatee. Have you? I'm barely. I'm barely recognisable, to be honest. Right. <laughs> oh no, that's the image. That's the first image I got in my head there when you said that. So <laughs> I'm glad. To, I'm glad to oh man, that's all good stuff, man. So um, let's talk about this movie, then, mate. Um, what mm. we'll do is uh, we'll play a trailer, and mm-hmm. um, we'll see you guys soon. We'll be back soon. If you can't see value here today. You're not up here shopping, you're up here shoplifting. Bacon. Did you say £10? That's a bargain, I'll take one. Eddie. You too. Join me in my office. Fat man. Oi! Soap. Four friends. That's my 25 grand. With a money-making scheme. You sure you can afford 25? I can afford it as long as I see it again. That's quick. You play cards tonight, son? With Harry. Easy. Oh, that'd be silly, Dad. And very expensive. I'll see you. For half a million? Alright, don't panic. Four young fellas getting deep at the naked handle. I am panicking. Hold me half a million pounds. I'm gonna give you one week to find it. Let me tell you about Hatchet Harry. If Harry don't kill you, then your father will. I've got a plan. How many are these fellas? Yeah! We'll hit them as soon as they come back. We'll be prepared, waiting. We're on. Nice work, bro. God knows how much of this stinking weight. Is this a Welcome back, guys. So the uh, synopsis of this film is Eddie persuades his three pals to pull money for a vital poker game against a powerful local mobster, Hatchet Harry. Eddie loses, after which Harry gives him a week to pay back half a million pounds. 
It's, uh, it's got 147 minute runtime, or depending on which one you watch, because there's an uncut version of this. It's got a very good uh, 8.2 on IMBD, which is very well deserved. And it was made for uh, $1 million, so it's quite a small amount of money, really, in today's standards. And it took a yeah. whopping $28 million of, at the box office. So, um, Mark, Lockstock. Um, when did you first watch this movie? Let's start with that. I first saw this movie at the cinema. Yeah. Um, obviously, before, way before, um, the, the way before, uh, like Netflix or anything was was even around. Like back in like '98, went to pictures to watch it. I think I was like 17, 18, uh, and literally just like became one of the most quotable movies of all yeah. time. Absolutely. It's. Um, I think it's one of those films. Well, when, when I was re-watching this, um, I mean, I've seen it a number of times, but I'd watched it yeah. again for the show, and I, yeah, I just thought that at the time this was quite groundbreaking in cinema because um, there's a lot of films that come out now and generally use the term "oh, it's like lock, stock, and two smoking barrels." Um, but before this came out. I was trying to think of another film that was like this, and of course you've got films like um, The Long Good Friday. Yeah. Um, which Bob Hoskins. With, yeah, with Bob Hoskins. And then I was thinking, you've obviously got like ties with the old, um, say like films like The Italian Job. You know, yeah, Italian Cain. Job, that is a, that is a, a great comparison, definitely. Yeah. And I'm sure Guy Riches looked at those films, and obviously he's... I think he's sort of similar age to us. He's he's grown up in that sort of period, and, and he's put this yeah. film together. And I just think that it's just a great, you know, if you know, to our American listeners, you know, um, I think this film is just a really good example of how we are, you know, <laughs> as be it what it's like to be English or Cockney or live in London, isn't it? And I think it's, um, I think Guy Ritchie said that. He's basically based a lot of these characters on people that he knows and conversations that he's listened to down the pub. Or, you know, if you go down to um, like a boxing club or anywhere yeah. like that, you're, you're going to meet these characters, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think a lot of the uh, the characters in this movie, like uh, America, I, reckon, I think uh, like the American audience would, would watch this film and be like, okay, that's the stereotypical British cockney bloke mm. do you know what I mean yeah but um, like I say he's got it he's got it down to the T and I think that's what I find hilarious about this film is that when, when you watch it and particularly when you watch it with friends and I think that's the best way to watch yeah. it um, you're always saying oh that's that's what's the name in it and that's such and such and oh that'd be you wouldn't it do you know what I mean that's the sort of thing that you'd come out and say and uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then of course it's gone on to create other movies such as Snatch which came out which is another fine movie um, yeah uh, then you've got Rock and Roller and Layer Cake and The Gentleman um, and then didn't think too much of Rock and Roller to be honest yeah um, bit of an odd one that one I think um First time I watched it, the problem is, I think I was trying to compare it to Lockstock, but it's a yeah. different movie. Yeah, um, totally. But you can tell, you can definitely make comparisons to Lockstock, obviously. London, London, like Cockney Underground, you've got the same kind of like um, title, not title, but you know the, the poster. It's yeah. kind of like 
in the same kind of ilk. Yeah, it's got the same sort of um, aesthetic to it, isn't it? It's like um, mm. it's like Guy Ritchie's got this signature, isn't he? Um, yes. And, and obviously, his producer Matthew Vaughan, who went on to go and do um, Layer Cake. Um, that is a good film. If anyone hasn't seen that yet, go and watch Layer Cake. Daniel Craig's in that. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I mean, when I funny enough with Layer Cake, when I first watched it, I didn't I didn't enjoy it as much. Um, no. But but the thing with that, I gave it some time, and then I thought, actually, no, this is actually a really good film. It's very, it's a very clever movie, mm-hmm. um, and it has got those um, lock stocks type scenes in it. You know, it's especially when they yeah. meet up in the um, when they're having breakfast, and <laughs> Blake just goes into like a bit of a rage and um, scenes like that. And then. The other thing about this movie is it actually, I think it did actually reach out to the American audience as well. Because um, mm-hmm. then they, obviously, Americans come in to snatch as actors, and yeah. then there's another film called, is it Lucky Number Slevin? With um, Bruce Willis. So it's almost like they sort of took a little bit of a take onto that. Mm, that was a, that was an un, un, uh Unrelated. Uh, what's, what's the word? Um, that was a uh, uh, a gem. That was. I thought. I think underrated. Yeah. I think a lot of people underrated. L- lucky number eleven. So it's almost like um, you could see that it was just sort of hit, hitting the the American audience as well. So yeah, I think I think Lockstock it just was a little bit of a groundbreaking movie at the time. Well, it's got Richie's um, uh, debut movie, yeah. and it's, it's it was released. I think it was officially released in August. In '98, which means it's 23 old, 23 year old, years old this month. I oh, know that's crazy, isn't it? I can't believe isn't that. Isn't that mad? Yeah. <laughs> and then um, it obviously kickstart started a lot of people's careers as well, didn't it? Including Jason Statham, yeah. who's become you know big um, A-lister now, isn't he? Doing all the action yeah. movies and that. Absolutely. Like Jason Statham, uh, he was a diver before, Olympic diver before he got into film he was a, a i don't know if you've ever seen an erasure videos like you know the band erasure yeah um, before he got into acting he was a dancer in the videos for erasure oh was he oh okay yeah <laughs> if you type in jason statham erasure on youtube you'll see him with no top on doing a little dance right okay <laughs> yeah in a really in really campy outfit oh uh, after someone said someone said to jason statham in an interview once he said that uh, so uh, talk to us about the Erasure videos. And Jason Staten's response was, I was young and I needed the money. <laughs> and just left it at that. <laughs> well, you know, we, you know, find ourselves in those positions at times, you know what I mean? You've got to take it, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then you've also got Dexter Fletcher in this, who I remember from, every time I see him, press game. And obviously Bugsy Malone's baby face. Yeah, like it's crazy. You, I saw that the other day. I introduced my wife to Bugsy Malone movie, yeah. um, not so long ago. And uh, yeah, you see him as one of the one of the little gang lad. I see. And you look at his face, and you're like, my God, that is so Dexter Fletcher. And that was in like 1978, I think it was. Yeah, it might have been. I think it might. Young Jodie yeah. Foster. Yeah, young Jodie Foster in that film as well. Yeah, he was. He only had a small part in that, didn't he? But it's almost like he stole the show. In Bugsy uh, <laughs> yeah. Malone, right? do you know what I mean? Because I remember when I was watching it as a kid, I just thought. I was, Remember, seems to remember a baby face, you know. Give us a baby face, give us a baby face. 
Hang on, I am babyface. <laughs> <laughs> but as he's as he's grown up, and uh, it's like he just doesn't change. You know what I mean? He's like the same sort of got the same sort of wit and character. Yeah. Um, but I've actually met him as well. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. I just met him, him up in London, just in passing. He's a really nice bloke as well. Um, I've met a couple of these. Uh, Sean Pertwee I met as well. He's he's a similar sort of. You know, spoke to him about dog soldiers, and he's really down to earth. Do you know what I mean? He's happy to talk about his work and stuff like that. So um, he, he, he kind of does come across as a quite a nice guy. Um, yeah, Mr. yeah. Uh, Mister Pertwee, I'd like to meet him. Um, with him. I think he's, he's done some bloody good movies. Oh, he's, he's done some tosh, but you know, hasn't everyone? Yeah, I mean, he did um, uh, another film that's probably worth shouting out here, which I thought was kind of like a sort of lock stocky type movie. Was the Fifty mm. First State? Yes. Um, Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson and Robert Carlyle and Carlyle. Sean Pertwee that's plays nice. a police officer in that, and it's just hilarious. <laughs> do you know I've only ever seen that once I went to the pictures to see that and I just remember I do remember a scene where there's just like lots of blood yeah and uh, there's a football ground and there's lots of blood in a room it does someone just explodes right is that right is that the same film yes it is it's um, a little bit of a spoiler here it's by the end of the movie because right. Samuel Jackson is a um, he's like a biologist isn't he is that right mm. works in chemistry and stuff like that and he creates something to blow up the bad guys. So when they take it, it, it makes them explode. And I think it's something like that happens in the end. I need to watch this movie again. It's good. I might even review it for the show, actually, because uh, I need to talk about that one. I'm going to write that one down. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun movie. It's, I mean, it's got, it's got meatloaf in it. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> he plays a character. Out of hell. Yeah. He plays a character called the Lizard. <laughs> you know it quite well. I need to reacquaint myself no, with that movie again. I've, I've seen that movie many a time. Hmm. And then, of course, you've got some. It, it, it's uh, got some other names in it, such as uh, you know, Vinnie Jones. Yeah, um, Vinnie Jones. Like for me, I, I was really into football. Wimbledon, like in the in the eighties. Yeah, in the 80s and, and 90s, I was a Chelsea, so I'm a Chelsea supporter. So when Vinnie Jones um, finally came to Chelsea in 91, yeah. um, uh, it was just insane. It was just, I'd never thought Chelsea would sign um, Vinnie Jones, but yeah, Chelsea signed him again and uh, linked up with his midfield um, FA Cup winner from 1988 against Liverpool, yeah. uh, Dennis Wise. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I was really pleased when he was really pleased when he joined uh, Chelsea. What were they called the uh, Wimbledon squad? That had a name, didn't they? The Crazy Gang. The Crazy Gang, wasn't it? The Crazy Gang, yeah. Laurie uh, Sanchez, Dennis Wise, Dave Besson, uh, I think uh, John Fashnu, Vinnie Jones. Oh, man. It, there's, it, some, like, there's some good names there. It was a golden Robbie age. Robbie Earl. It was a golden age of football, wasn't it? I mean... It was, it was. I just... Uh, I mean, especially, especially when you've got a team like Wimbledon who, you know, were the underdogs, massive underdogs, mm. because Liverpool were like, I think they were winning the league that, that year. Uh, in '88, and John Aldred, John Aldridge missed a penalty in, it, in the game. Uh, John Barnes was playing, Kenny Dalglish was playing, Ian Rush was playing. Wow. Gosh, Bruce Grobbler in goal, and the Vinnie, Vinnie Jones's crazy gang just turned up, turned up on the day, snuffed them out, got the win, lifted the cup. Just 
fairy tale, fairy tale stuff. It's almost the way you're, you know, where we were having this conversation about that event back in the 80s with yeah. those football players, and it, it seems like a golden age. So I remember it, you know, because I was in sort of middle school back then when we were talking mm. about it. It's almost yeah. like a sort of Guy Ritchie movie in the making, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? That could be, absolutely, 100%. Especially where I think there'd be a big market out there for people who love football as well. Um, to have that oh, sort of, you know, um, Especially where it's got the Vinnie Jones. And Vinnie Jones, he was he was just the hard man of football, wasn't he? Um, yeah. I mean, there's that famous picture of him grabbing uh, Paul Gascoigne's nuts, isn't there? <laughs> 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 That's a cracking picture. Yeah. And the funny thing is, when I watched this film... I remember seeing the poster, I thought, bloody hell, that's Vinnie Jones. And it was like, oh my God, Vinnie Jones is acting. And what's that going to be like? And it's, it, it turned out great. It just, what he does in this film is just excellent. You know, he's, he's like, he's a proper anchor for what all the other carnage that's going on. I mean, especially. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's just got that hard, that hard look, hard man look demeanor. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can't. You can't teach that. You can't teach someone to look like that. He is just the epitome of a Cockney gangster. Yeah. And in the East End. But he's he, he's a hard man, especially in this, but he's got a little bit of sympathy about him as well, if you know what I mean, which makes him human. Like he's, well, he's got he's, he's got his son with him, he's got his son with him, like in every scene. Yeah. Which is really, it's it's almost sort of Mandalorian type, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? He's kind of like this hard man, but then he's got this little kid with him who he will do anything for to protect. Um, and I think that's what I loved about this, because it's especially that scene where he goes to his son, is he, is he in there, son? Yeah. He goes, let's go and pay him a visit, shall we? <laughs> put, put your seatbelt on. <laughs> yeah. And then he walks up there, doesn't he? And then it's like, hello. And it's like... Did I say speak? And he's like, and it's like, this is a lovely tan. <laughs> well, I don't want to ruin it. It's like, <laughs> cool, he's got a fucking skyrocket in it. Oi, watch your mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You start using those words, son, you wish you hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the dialogue in this movie is so good. Oh, man. Uh, that's what I mean. It's, it's, there's just so many scenes like that in this. And. The opening scene, the opening scene for Lockstock. I mean, mm. let's just let's just go straight in there. Yeah. Um, the opening scene for Lockstock. You know, you've just got this uh, amazing soundtrack. By the way, the soundtrack is just immense on this on this film. It's yep, like a Brit pop, isn't it? Brit pop type music, a little bit of rock in there. Um, yeah, you've got drum and bass as well. There's a, there's a tune by Easy Easy Rollers, uh, "Walk This Land." Now, I remember going to like parties, like college parties, and like house parties, and Walk This Land by Easy Rollers used to just play at these parties and it was, everyone would just go off. It was, the, the party would just go off. Yeah. yeah it was um, just fantastic. Yeah, I, 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 when I was... I've, I've actually got the soundtrack. Um, I think it's on CD. Mm-hmm. Might have even been on cassette back at the time from my car. And it was all, all those songs that we were listening to, wasn't it, in the 90s, like you just said. Um, but yeah, it's... Like I say, going back to the start of this movie, though, isn't it? I think there's two... There's an uncut version, and then because you've got Eddie, haven't you, explaining how to play poker, isn't he? And he said, yeah. there's, a, "There's a way that you can do it, but I'm not going to tell you." Yeah. Um, 
which is very gritty. And it just sets this movie up great, doesn't it? It's sort of what you're going to... The eventual outcome of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, it goes straight in there, doesn't it? And like I say, basically you've got... Um, it's, it's basically the story of like four or five different gangs, isn't it? That's all rolled into one. Yeah, there's you've got this, it's like a yeah, they're all kind of like headhunting each other, but not but not intentionally. Yeah, um, you've got the you know our, our main characters here. And what I do like about this is that it's kind of got like a, what I noticed about this film is it's. It doesn't. I think this film ages well because it doesn't set itself in a particular time. Um, because you don't really see anybody else apart from your main characters. So, yeah, that's right. So when you're in the street, you don't see other members of public. You might just see the guys sat outside the taxi. Oh, the taxi um, rank, yeah, rank. the taxi but office. You may see one or two other members, people in in the bars, mm-hmm. but. Um, the look about it is almost like it's got like a little bit of a 70s or 60s or 70s look with the way they're dressing and this is obviously made in the 90s but the cars they're driving are from the 80s or the 70s like the old Ford Cortina and that yeah so you've got the Ford, Ford Cortina I pointed this out yeah when I watched it you've got Ford Cortina you've got Granada Estate you've got a, a Renault traffic yeah. master with the high the high roof you've got Oh man, the Ford R- I think you got the Ford RS Turbo that's driven by, um, was it Kenny? The two, Kenny. two, two, two Scouser robbing guys, isn't it? You know, like bank robbers or whatever. Oh, um, uh, what are they called? Philip and Phil and. No, Gary, oh. not Kenny, Gary. Gary and Dean, isn't it? Gary and Dean, that's it. Dean. Gary and Dean. Gary, Gary! <laughs> Are you alright? <laughs> oh, he gets his he gets his uh, hair shot out. Yeah, he does. Yeah. You gotta put that on. I'm not putting that on. I've just done off this head paid about five hundred quid for my hair. <laughs> That's great. And then you got Lenny McLean going. Is his hair supposed to look like that? <laughs> <laughs> now Lenny McLean, that guy plays a hard man like to a T. Oh yeah. That's just just his, that's just his natural demeanour as well. I mean, that's, it's not like you've got, it's, it, it's almost like a uh, guy which you just said, play yourself. Because, mm. the, the, I mean, there's a, a show on Netflix or like a documentary, and that's worth checking out um, if you haven't seen it. Uh, basically, his life story, isn't it? He's, he was like a, I think he was an un, unlicensed boxer. Yeah, I read, I read his autobiography. He was an archetypical hard man, but, but then when it came to his family, was, that's probably where he had his uh, softer side um, when he yeah. got to family and stuff like that. But yeah, he's he's very standout in this. It's, but <laughs> it's like one thing about one thing about Lenny McLean, which um, which I read about um, in, in the book I read about him. The book was called The Governor. Yeah. Because um, that's how he was known. It was just called The Governor. People just knew him as Lenny McLean, the Governor in the East End of London. And uh, there's one story in there where um, people, like different gangs from different countries, like America, Brazil, Europe, would bring their hardest man over to the UK to fight Lenny McLean in an unlicensed boxing match. Mm. And they just couldn't beat him. Yeah. And then one American, one American uh, gang, I think it was like a mafia gang, said, look, 
bring your guy over here to America to fight our best guy. Now, Lenny McLean explains it, you know, in detail in the book where he, he, uh, he they, they fly in, they go to this uh, like uh, this unlicensed place, boxing ring and everything, loads of people in, in, in the crowd. He turns up and sees him for the first time and Lenny McLean's looking at this bloke. He's a big black fella, he's about seven foot tall and his hands are the size of shovels. Right. And Lenny McLean's looked at him and was like, I don't know, fucking I'm going to put him on his ass, but I'm going to have to do my best. Yeah. And he did it. He did it. He did it. Beat, beat the best man in, in America. Um, the boys, his gang, obviously took all the money back to that they won back to the UK. And uh, yeah, he, he retired as an unlicensed boxing uh, fighter, uh, undefeated. And like I say, he fits this movie perfect, didn't he? And um, unfortunately, he passed away, didn't he? Before this even, before he even got to see the premiere. Yeah, um, he did. But it, it's. It's left a legacy for him because when I think of him, like say the governor or Lenny McLean, I think of this movie. And again, um, the other thing I like about this film is there isn't just one standout performance. I think all the actors have a standout performance. It, it's quite unusual for a movie to actually have that sort of balance where everybody does a really good job and everybody has their own moment of like screen time which which is very quotable and very very memorable do you know what I mean and yeah for me it's like it's... <laughs> Lenny McLean it's like when he's talking we're getting to Hatchet Harry I haven't mentioned him yet um, Hatchet Harry goes so what are these guys like and then he's like they're a fucking liability you know what I mean like fucking brothers <laughs> fucking liability <laughs> it's like you know and then when he's talking to uh you know, like Gary and Dean, because, you know, he's, he's talking to him in a strip club, and he? And he goes, Yeah. I want you to get some guns. And then, it's like, Gary goes, what, what, like guns at fire shot? He goes, oh, you must be the fucking brains in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... And then when he, when he sees them later on, and they've, they've, gone into this old house haven't they? and they said oh well there's nothing in there because these people are poor because they've only got like old shit and he said but we got rid of those old guns he goes what do you mean like that he goes if you don't want to be dancing with the antichrist with it there's some really really good quotes in here one of my favorites is by bacon statement where he says harry didn't think he did a very good job so he grabbed the nearest thing to add which just so happened to be a 15 inch black rubber cock yeah. and then proceeded to beat old paul smithy to death oh dude. that was not a nice way to go now that's why you pay actually harry when you owe yeah if you owe him he's a bloke you pay isn't it and then yes, you've got um, it. and then there's that great scene at the beginning where you've got jason fleming in the Oh, it's his, his Tom, his character name, and he's talking to Nick the Greek. Yeah. And he's like, he's, he says, it's, no, I've told you once before, it's a hundred pounds, you know what I mean? And he says, or he says to him, no, it doesn't have a speaker, and it doesn't have an amp. He's just like, and then he's like, he just comes out and goes, it's a deal, it's a steal, it's a deal with a fucking century. In fact, Nick, I think I'll fucking keep it. <laughs> <laughs> you could choke a dozen monkeys on that. Yeah, so you're ragging over 100 pounds. What do you do when you're not buying stereos, Nick? Finance revolutions. And he goes, 100 pounds is still 100 pounds. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> no he pulls out that massive wad of cash and he's like, have you got a change? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and then you've got um, Alan Fords, who some people would probably... Would, He's probably more famous for playing Bricktop in Snatch, and he does, oh, he, narrate, he narrates this. Doesn't he narrates he? it, doesn't he? And he's narrating it. He goes, "Now Tom has got a couple. He's got all fingers in a few pies, but Nick's got all fingers and all toes and everything in there." And he says, "Between them, there ain't much you can't get hold of." Like, <laughs> 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 oh dear. And um, there's some there's some really nice shots in here as well where it goes from scene to scene where they go into like a cooker, they open up the hatch and then they close it. And then you've got um, Dexter Fletcher's character, Soap, who opens yeah. up like a pot, isn't it? And you see him put some carrots in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're saying he, the reason why they call him Soap is because he tries to run an honest business, doesn't he, and being a chef and all that. And, Lost to keep his hands clean. Yeah, that's it. And he goes, and Eddie goes to him, you got that 25 grand? And he says, yeah. And he says, you're right with that? He goes, well, it depends why you look at it. He says, it's all right if I get it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Soap's a good character. He's got some good lines in the um, in the film. Yeah. One of the best ones he says is, uh, guns for show, knives for a pro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you, you're not funny. You're not funny, Tom. You're fat. And look as though you should be. Oh, yeah, that's but you're right. Not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. He goes, Who's this fat man then, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's like. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and then Jason Stephen comes in, doesn't he? He's obviously bacon. And then uh, uh, Soap says, Do you want a sandwich, bacon? <laughs> Sorry, bacon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, and then you're introduced to like the basically the stoners in this haven't you who were kind of like the uh, cheer the wind style yeah cheer, that's it he goes going out and getting a was it a bag of fertiliser he goes yeah you don't look like you're fucking horticulturalist do you <laughs> <laughs> yeah walking around at midnight with a fertiliser and a half dead girl yeah that's it like I say and um there's one guy in that who's walking through and he says, you know, we could be like sort of scientists and all that. He's smoking the smoking a joint and that. And he's actually, um, I don't know if you remember it. Um, there's a film called Young Sherlock Holmes in the 80s. And he actually yeah, played, rings a bell. He actually played Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes. Um, so it's just something I noticed when I was watching this. So. But no, Talking of Sherlock Holmes, Guy Ritchie directed Sherlock Holmes. Can you believe that? Well, this is it. That's why I thought, you know, he's got someone who played Sherlock Holmes and then he goes on to go and, go and direct that with um, Robert Downey Jr., doesn't he? He does a great job of that, yeah. actually. Oh, he does, actually. I, I saw that quite recently for the first time. I really enjoyed it. I think there's a uh, there's a third one coming out as well, isn't there? I think. Cool. That'd be good. That'd be good yeah. to see. Um, so, yeah, you've got... So Guy got... Ritchie then also directed the, uh, the new real-action Disney Aladdin. Yeah, he did, didn't he? I did not. Yeah. I did not expect him to do that. No, um, I haven't seen it yet. I've um, I've just seen trailers, but I'm a bit put off because I quite like the original. <laughs> oh much. right, yeah. <laughs> okay. Been ruined. Um, well, apparently, Guy Ritchie just going on him with as a director. He, he he'd actually been offered um, movies like that after this, 
Right. Um, but he, he actually said he didn't want to do something with a big budget because yeah. he said it terrified him. So he Case said, it, "Yeah, exactly." So he said he'd rather do something like he did this for a million, which did really well, and then I think he did Snatch for about ten million. Um, but the American audience or the American um, or Hollywood or whatever yeah. noticed this film and thought, "Oh, Guy Ritchie," and he's—I think they offered him a lot of money to go and make films like that. But he said, "No, no, I'm going to stick to just working my way up the ladder." Yeah, I also think marrying Madonna really raised his profile as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's it. Marrying Mar- Mar- Maradona. <laughs> Maradona. Oh, Mar- <laughs> marrying bloody hell, marrying Maradona, Mar- marrying Madonna. Oh my yeah. god, I've just had a stroke. I swear. <laughs> marrying Madonna increased his profile definitely and made him uh, more of a, a household name, I guess, in the yeah. states. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is with uh, Guy Ritchie, I've. I've I saw an interview with him, and he's he's a really down-to-earth bloke um, who also suffers with severe dyslexia as well. Um, no way. Yeah, which I was really surprised. So he he had this idea, but he said he really struggled mm. to try and get it down on paper. Um, so he was literally making notes and then giving it to a screenwriter to kind of polish up. But it's mm. like he's got the idea there in his head, but he does struggle to try and you know sort. Of um, you know, sort of write and stuff like that, which is int- very interesting, but very sort of it's a good it's a good thing to hear as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for um, sure, definitely. It's, he's great. He's great at putting films together. Hmm. Um, you know, he's uh, it's crazy. Like you can be you can be just bad at one thing, but absolutely exceptional at another thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's quite what I like. It's like you know, especially with today's you know the way things are. You know, putting it out hmm. to people. If you do suffer with that. Don't let it put you off trying to create something. So he's he's quite a good ambassador for that, I think. You know, Guy absolutely, absolutely. Like. And if you think back in the, like nineteen late nineties, like before, um, you know, things like that were weren't really diagnosed as such. No, you know, to try and sort of like not really get much support because he's dyslexic. Dyslexic. Mm. He's managed to create absolute like cinematic masterpieces. Yeah. But you know he must have had like quite a trouble, quite a troubling time, um, going through all the, you know, growing up, yeah. getting to where he is, yeah. going through the industry, yeah. and getting to where he is. So fair play to him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um, something that I suffered with myself personally, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of know what that felt like because everybody else was like writing, you know, especially when you're at school, everybody else is doing really well, and you're thinking, yeah, oh shit, why am I not doing that? Yeah. Um, so I think that's quite it's a great bridge to for people who do suffer with to say look you know don't let it put you off doing stuff that's creative because you've probably yeah. got it you just can't get it out the way other people can but you will do so yeah it's um, that's quite a, quite a breakthrough for him um, yeah sure yeah so and yeah, I, I like I like what you said about being an ambassador I think that's a that's the perfect way to sum it up to I think honest. so yeah absolutely yeah I think that's uh I think more people need to know about that um, from from him if they don't know that. He actually had a pub. Yeah. He's got a pub in London as well, in Mayfair. It's not the Lockstock that you sent me the other day, that picture. No, no, no. That was in, that's funny. That was in Newbury. Um, oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it was a lovely pub right by the river. Just stumbled mm. upon it, me and Becky did. And oh, uh, I looked at it and I thought, I can't believe that. It's, <laughs> it's fucking Lockstock. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's a great name for a pub. It is, yeah. Locks, lock, stock the fucking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about the pub, you also got Steen in this film as well. Yes, um, of course. Is JD? His name's JD. Yeah, and I suppose for him as well. Thinking about it, you had Quadrophenia, which he was mm. in. So that's another film that's kind of. I would say he's influenced this certainly with for like British filmmaking and that sort of yeah. aesthetic yeah wasn't Sting wasn't Sting in June he was yeah yeah he was in June he played one of the um, uh, it was like a mercenary or something wasn't he yeah but yeah he was in that so it's good my, to see him my, in this my brother-in-law brought me the, uh, the June book um, it's so thick, I haven't started it yet, but uh, I remember watching, we were reminiscing about the, the original uh, film, Dune, mm. and uh, my brother-in-law had read read the book, Dune, like three times, because yeah. he loved it that much. And if you look at the, the, the size of this book, um, you'd, be, you, you'd, you'd probably look at it and be like, oh no thanks, don't fancy that, because it's a bit too thick. Yeah. And uh, we started talking about it, because the new Dune film that's going to be coming out quite soon. We started chatting about it, and I said I've never read the book. And he sent me the book, so I've got the June book to read. Just haven't read it yet, but I love, love, love the movie with Sting in it. Yeah, it's um, it's actually a very well put together movie, isn't it? And I think it might have just got clouded over by Star Wars at the time because yeah. When, when was it released? Any idea? 1981, 1982. I think it's probably people shouting at me now. Oh, Joe, come <laughs> yeah. on, crying out loud. Do a, do a fucking movie podcast, can't get your fucking shit together. <laughs> 1984, I've just looked up. Ricky Morgan's probably shouting at me now. <laughs> yeah, 1984. 1984, right, okay. So you imagine yeah, directed that. Directed by David Lynch. So um, you had Return of the Jedi floating around that time, didn't you? Yeah. Um, and I think June is a different type of movie, isn't it? Altogether, very dark, very gritty. Yeah. Um, big movie for the time. Big movie, yeah. But I think it's going to get its. I think it's going to have another resurgence with this new film that's coming out, which looks incredible. Yeah. I saw the trailer the other day. Oh, the trailer looks epic. It's going to reach out to a whole new different, uh, um, whole new different. Uh, like I, people, people will just appreciate this, and they'll, they'll get a brand new like resurgence from this movie. Yeah, because I was talking to someone the other day, and I was thinking there doesn't. I mean, we've just had the Marvel franchise in the last sort of ten years, haven't we? Leading up to um, like Endgame and Infinity War. But at the moment, I mean, Marvel's still out there, but I, I think something like June could be the next sort of trilogy or. Possibly if it does well, do you know what I mean? I, when I mm. watched that trade, I thought, oh, this might just be the next thing, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. It's crazy to think that the June, June the book was actually published in 1965. Oh, was it really? That was, that was before we even went to the moon, allegedly. Wow. But that's before we, before we went up into space to the moon. Well, 1965. Some imaginations out there, isn't there? Um so I, so I remember the because uh, in the 80s you probably remember this um, used to have the coffee table sci-fi books and they used to have all the weird and wonderful like sci-fi art and pictures and other worlds 
mm-hmm. there was some pictures in there of Jew with the sandworms oh, coming out. Yeah. And, but, you know, just took you to another place, you know, when you looked at these pictures. Um, but yeah, there we go. We've, we've gone from Lockstock to June to another world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesus. How does that happen? We've gone from Borough Market to some other universe. <laughs> <laughs> we've gone from we've gone from Bethnal Green to Bethnal Green. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, to deep space in what's the year? I think the year was like the year was ten thousand one hundred ninety-one. <laughs> oh dear! So going back to the film, you, you then got um, you then got the character Dog, and he he's, he's uh, mostly crew. Isn't he? <laughs> Yeah, he's he's a tough looking bloke. He's like he looks like the typical arch, the archetypical gangster. Yeah, he he is the sort of bloke that you don't want to fuck with, isn't he? Predominantly, um, and there are characters like him out there. Um, and then I like that's why this film. That's why this film is just so believable because it is so it's contemporary in its own right. Yeah, there are there are characters like that out there, and. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying this is kind of what I was going back to earlier. Like, if you if you go down to if you go into a pub in London, yeah, probably like what you just said. Probably sort of Bethnal Green places like that. Some old, you know, sort of pubs that have been there for, for Stepney. years. Stepney, Stepney Green. There's a good chance that you're going to see someone at the bar that's talking like him. You know, yeah, smoking away on a cigarette. Um, and then you've got the character in this plank haven't you <laughs> you know it's like you know wait, the way he, he's obviously got a, he goes and gets all his drugs and weed from from the other group and then he's explaining no oh, no they're just a you know bunch of uh, yeah you don't touch me I don't touch you bollocks you know all this karma shit isn't it it's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're alright oh dear and then dogs um He's obviously trying to get that money, isn't he, from um, another game which isn't really related to this, but he's playing golf, isn't he, on someone he's just killed, isn't it? Yes. And, uh, that's it, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's, he stands on his chest and tearing off out of his mouth. Yeah, that's it. And he goes, right, I'm going to give you one last chance. Where is it? And he goes, it's in the fireplace, just under the grill. Pull it out. And then Dog goes, it's in the fireplace plank. Just pull it out. It's under the grill. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the bloke? Is that the bloke with the long hair with the squeaky voice? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's in the fireplace. Yeah. Go there, pull it out. Fucking hell, dog! There's a ton in here. Fucking hell, dog! It's a ton in here. <laughs> oh. oh, that bloke's voice is brilliant. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and then they have um, they have a funny scene later on, don't they? When um, I'm sort of jumping forward here, but I'm more. So the listeners out there, I'm jumping back and forwards here, but we will get to every bit. Um, there's that classic bit now. A lot of people mention this when they go to take out the um, like the stoners, don't they? And they go into that cage, and uh, Plank it all goes wrong, doesn't it? He tries to open it up, and uh, he drops the keys out of his hands, and then they start getting shot, don't they? He goes, "Never <laughs> yeah. goes, Charles." I think we're getting fucked. <laughs> Pull out, um, what was it, a, like a fucking pea shoot, innit? Or 
Oh, they've got two two air rifle. Air rifle, that's it. And shoots him in the neck. He's like, I've like, just been shot. <laughs> oh, I don't fucking believe this. Where everyone stop getting shot? Yeah, yeah, that's it. And then one of the one of the characters called Mickey, isn't he? He's got his ear defenders and he pulls out a friend gun, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> shoots him. <everywhere. laughs> that thing does some damage. Oh god, yeah. I mean. If you shoot that in a warehouse in London, people are going to hear it, I'm pretty sure, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Plank, that's his name. The guy with the squeaky voice, his name's Plank. Yeah, that's it, Plank, yeah, that's it. And then when he gets hit in the neck with the uh, the two two rifle, he's like, oh, they just fucking shot me! And yeah, the dog's that's like, it. we'll fucking shoot him back! Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Can everybody stop getting shot? That, oh, made tune, that sample got made into a, a, a garage track. Oh, did it? Yeah, it was made, uh, I think it was made by... Decline, right? Some decline, yeah. They took, they lifted the. Uh, oh, what if one stopped getting shot? Shot? I shot, think I remember shot, that. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that rolling around, wasn't it? If you got quotes, yeah, uh, Gary, 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 Gary took a lot, lot of quotes from different, uh, different films. Uh, but yeah, I always remember that one. De- hmm. I think that his name was Decline. Ed Solo, maybe Decline. I can't remember. Right. But yeah, that's that's so that sample was brilliant. It turned to like a real bassy garage track. And then you've got um, Rory Breaker as well, haven't you? And his game, which is, you know, when he meets uh, Nick the Greek, isn't it? And he goes, if the milk turns out to be sour, I ain't the sort of pussy to drink it. You understand? <laughs> <laughs> oh. And Rory Breaker's a funny character in this. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's actually, the, the other movie that I saw him in, is a little bit of an underrated horror movie from the two, early 2000s called Creep. Mm. Is that the, the uh, one based in the London Underground? Yeah, he plays um, like an underground worker in it, but he's mm-hmm. the only other film I've seen him in. Um, I enjoyed that film. I think it's a good film. I think it's very underrated, actually. Um, mm, me too. Especially in that time of the 2000s where there wasn't really a whole lot of horror kicking around. I didn't think you had mm. films like Wrong Turn and that. Um, yeah. Dog Soldiers, but yeah. Um, and, and Scream. Scream. Three or four. Scream, yeah. I think that was sort of, um, sort of mid-90s, wasn't it, when that came out? Jesus. I think Scream Scream was mid-90s, yeah, but you know, I think you had got the follow-ups. I think some of them, like Scream 2, 3, 4, they may, may have been 2000s. Yeah. If my memory serves me right. I think that helped reignite horror, didn't it? I mean, yeah. Where's Where's Craven? Where's Craven? Compared to where's what Craven's, we, yeah. Compared to what we have now, isn't it? It's just It's just gone through the roof, isn't it? I think. It's, um, I watched a good horror film uh, recently. Oh, was that? I watched a film called Run. Run. Yeah, Run with Sarah Paulson. It's on Netflix. Oh, what's we'll the What's the synopsis on that? It's about this mother who loses a baby. Um, and uh, she she loses the baby, so she is so twisted and bitter about losing the baby. She goes to uh, uh, she goes to the newborn area and steals one, and um, she's just hell bent on just looking after the child and keeping the child at home and educating the child at home. Um, that she basically lies to the child, um, lies to the child by saying about university um, admissions to university she applies with university she like hides the letters from the child to keep her indoors she feeds the child like dog painkillers dog tablets to, to lose the 
to lose the uh, use of her legs. Jeez. And uh, so she's basically caught up at home. It's basically present-day misery. Oh, right, okay. Right, when you yeah. mention it like that, okay. Right. So yeah, it's, it's good, man, it's good. It's like a sort of psychological... Um, very genre. yeah, very psychological, but also uh, very physical as well, man. It's it's Sarah Paulson is just demented in it. I love her; she's brilliant. Right, okay. Right, one to watch. Yeah, I'll uh, yeah, have a look out for that. Was it on Netflix? Is it? Netflix, yeah. Right. The other one I watched the other day, not horror, um, but I really enjoyed it. it was nobody? I think nobody. It. Yeah, it's kind of like a. Um, it's very much like John Wick. I think it was the same writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had the actor out of um, oh Breaking Bad, Soul. Um, oh, okay, yeah, another guy. But that was really, really good. That was a really good film. Really enjoyed that. But um, yeah, go check it out if you get a chance. But yeah, going back to uh, Lockstock, I suppose you've got to mention what the main sort of plot of this film is. We mentioned it because it's such so, so quotable. You go back and forth. Um, so you've got Eddie who thinks he can play this um, poker game. Uh, with Hashit Harry, and it's obviously a very well-known um, poker game within the sort of underworld. But yeah. to actually go onto the table, we've got a hundred grand. So that's where the four friends come in. They put the money together. Um, Twenty-five grand each. Yeah, and they get he get he gets to the table. There's a little bit of a backstory, isn't there, with his Eddie's dad, who's Sting. Where you find out that he played with Hatchet Harry back in the day and he took all his money because he won the game. Um, which is mentioned by the Alan Fords, you know. <laughs> yeah, he had free freeze. They're unbeatable cards. I have never seen them. <laughs> so he plays this game. And it's quite funny, isn't it? Because you've got some more characters now. It's in a boxing ring. Which I love. I think it's just got that real sort of London gangster feel about it. This scene, you know, and mm. um, gritty. Yeah. Is it, did they teach you any other words at school apart from folk? Didn't it? And <laughs> 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 it's like you want you go and the it goes. You want to fucking have a ch- bit of chit chat, guys? Go down the fucking hairdressers. And- <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, um, you've got Lenny McLean, haven't you? He's <laughs> he's watching on a bit of CCTV, and he's got that. He's and then- <laughs> spying on the cards. Oh, we'll take you to the cleaners. <laughs> we'll take you to the cleaners. Um, Eddie loses the game. Um, and then that's what sparks off. He's got a week to um, pay Hadjit Harry um, half a million quid. Well, he he in one of the hands, in the last hands he's in, mm. he's got a hundred grand. He goes all in. Harry goes all in because he's seen the cards. Yeah. And um, Eddie says he can't go any higher than hundred grand, and he wants to see Harry's cards. But Harry was like, "You can't do that. You either fold, or I'll lend you the money." So he lends him the money, but not only does he lend him the money, he has to give him double the money to see his cards. Yeah. So it's okay if you've met met him, if you met him on the bit on the uh, on the bet, but you need to pay another two hundred thousand pounds to see his cards, yeah. which Eddie hasn't got, so he has to buy him more money. So in the end, he goes there with hundred grand, comes out having to owe five hundred thousand pounds, half a mil. So now he's up to the eyeballs in debt without Harry for for, for half a mil. Over to 
Yeah, and then it's there's even little bits on there, isn't it, where Eddie's like, um, you know, unless you accept ten quid, isn't it, or something like that. He goes, "Oh, still got a sense of humour, then, son, isn't it, like that?" Do you know what I mean? He's still got his little bit of core about him, isn't he, Ed? But then obviously yeah. he comes out, doesn't he? There's another, there's another um, sort of indie pop track, isn't there, when he comes out, um, and he has to go and tell all the others that, you know. But they've got they're all part of um, having to owe the money as well yeah <clears throat> which now starts off this um, chain of events and as it turns out you've got all the other gangs that get involved now um, as we've already mentioned you've got the stoners you've got dog and his gang you've got Rory Breaker um, and this is where Eddie works out that Dog's game lives next door to him, doesn't he? And, he, and they're going to go and do a robbery, aren't they, on the stoners and get all this money. And then yeah. Eddie then steals the money from them because he's saying that if we do that, they're not going to go to the police, are they? Because they're criminals and they're not going yeah. to be able to tell that story, which is very clever. And then this is where they say, oh, we need some guns. And... <laughs> Uh, this is where they go to Nick the Greek, isn't it? And he gets the the, the old muskets. But That's the clever it. clever thing here is that they're looking for a sort of half a million quid, but the actual guns that they perched off Nick the Greek are worth that amount of money, aren't they? Which is the irony of this film. Uh, and it's totally. And it's funny, isn't it, when uh, Tom turns up with Nick the Greek and he's he's, he's a little odd pair of old like 600 year old muskets isn't it he goes I want to look really mean and then Nick the Greek's like going yeah you look really scary with them but they um, they do dog over don't they they take all the money Um, dog's trying to work out who's who's done it and I think what's clever here is they, um, Eddie and his gang, they dress up the same as Dog, don't they? So they put on the um, same overcoats. The overcoats. Um, they kind of look. There's the they're the they're the same. They're the same in numbers, and they and they look. Each character looks a little bit the same as each other, and that's where um, the traffic warden comes in, isn't it? It's, it's played by Rob Brydon. Yeah. And I suppose that's the clever thing, isn't it? Where he's, he's when he gets taken out by a dog's game, yeah. he can see him, can't he, with the, the overcoats. Yeah. But then obviously when right. Eddie comes in, yep. and uh, I fucking and hate crew. traffic wardens, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They duff him up in the back of the van. <laughs> yeah. I fucking hate traffic wardens. <laughs> Three of them all pile in. <laughs> but before that, it's like... Um, one of the dog's like gang members, and he's outside, and he's putting all the weed in the back of the van, isn't it? and yeah. Rob Bryden's there, then he giving him a ticket, and he says to him, um, "Right, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You come round here." He goes, first of all, I'm going to punch you, <laughs> and then I'm going to put you in the back of the van." <laughs> 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 Oh dear. Um, and then you've got Roy Breaker now, haven't you? Finds out that he's been done over. 
And you get this funny scene where he says to Nick the Greek, then he goes, Nick, if I find out you're involved with this, I'm going to kill with you. <laughs> he goes, in fact, Nick, you're going to find it very hard to stay alive. Do you understand? He goes, because if you don't, I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. If you hold anything back, I'll kill you. <laughs> if you bend the truth or think we're bending the truth, I'll kill you. If you forget anything, I'll kill you. In fact, you're going to have to work bloody very hard to stay alive. Nick, now do you understand everything I've just said? Because if you don't, I'll kill you. <laughs> so Nick, obviously, <laughs> he, he, he folds now, doesn't he? because yeah. he's obviously said it's Eddie and he's going giving them the address and then Dog knows that it's Ed as well because he chucks yeah. plank through the wall doesn't he <laughs> and then he's, he sees all the recording equipment by uh, uh, Bacon isn't it and he's listening to him yeah Dog's like you ain't gonna fuck you wanna what does he say when he goes through the wall it's like you won't fucking believe what I'm looking at <laughs> but then Dog and his gang, Plank start hiding underneath a bed, doesn't he, with a shotgun, waiting for Eddie to turn up. Yeah. But then Rory Breaker turns up, and then, like, Plank's, like, looking, he's going, what the fuck? <laughs> 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 what the fuck? Yeah. And then you've got, um, Gary and Dean, haven't you? They're, they're, they're obviously pissed off with uh, Hatchet Harry and, um, they get a visit, don't they? I think by uh, Vinnie Jones's character, don't they? So they sort Chris, of take big Chris. Yeah, they sort of take it upon themselves, don't they, to um, go and see Hatchet Harry. And um, he goes in, doesn't he? And uh, was it uh, Gary? Guns blazing, isn't it? And yeah, it's, it's funny. Isn't it? He shoots Hatchet Harry, and then he looks round and he sees um, Barry the Baptist. Yeah, and he goes. What the fuck are you doing here? And he shoots him. He goes, "What the fuck are you doing? Here? <laughs> what the fuck are you doing here?" <laughs> oh, That's a good dude. scene, though. That's such a good scene, though. Hmm. Because you, we look at Archie Harry. He's got black dildos all around him. He's got all sex toy paraphernalia. Yeah. Um, he's got when when Archie Harry's got his feet up on the desk. He, I don't suppose you've seen it, but he's got like a little round gold sticker on yeah. the sole of his foot. And it's got, I think it says something like, it's like pull out or something like that. Something fucking ridiculous. Something something to do with some of the sexual novelty toys. He's obviously tread, he's on, tread, tread on a stick and it's like pull out game or pull yeah, out that's something. It, yeah, I did notice that. Yeah, it's, it's like a sort of blink and you miss, but yeah, you're right. You see that. Completely. Um, so you get Vinny Jones turn up now, didn't you? He's got the, I think he, he turns up, he takes, he takes the money. So Rory's, Rory's dead. Rory's dead. Um... Barry the Baptist is dead. Um, oh gosh, what's his name? Uh, not Rory. Yeah, Rory Break is dead. Barry the Baptist is dead. Harry the Hatchet's dead. Chris walks in. Oh, he takes some money off Dog, doesn't he? Because Dog jumps out, doesn't he? Um, oh, yeah. And he you got gets, something for me. Yeah, that's it. And he, he, he headbutts him, doesn't he? And, he nuts um, him to the ground. He take, takes the money, takes the guns. Goes up to see um, Hatchet Harry, that's, and he's dead, and, he, and then he's obviously the money's left there, isn't it? And then that's when Eddie turns up with Tom now, isn't it? And they're like, "That's right." What the fuck, isn't it? You know, what I mean, they're looking around, isn't it? It's like every everywhere they now go, there's carnage, isn't it? There? There's dead bodies, absolute carnage. Um, and they 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 can't. That's what's clever about this, isn't it? They 
they, they, they can't work out what's going on, can they? So yeah, I'm they've been out they're... partying all night. That's right. Yeah, that's quite a good scene, actually, isn't it? After the party, isn't it? Mm. Um, so they they take the money, don't they? And and um, the guns, and he comes out, doesn't he? And, he's, and they work it out between him. Says, "Well, Hatchet Harry's dead. The debt's clear, cleared up. All the other guys are dead, and it's technically you haven't done anything wrong, isn't it? You know." And, the only thing that's connecting us now is the is the guns, isn't it? And, These guns. Yeah. So they get Tom to go and discard them, don't they? And then they're down the pub. And, uh... and Chris walks in with the duffel bag, sticks it on the table. Yeah. And a lot of what he says, isn't it? He says to him, he goes, uh, Hatchet Harry underestimated you. But he says, uh, he says, I'm going to make... I'm going to make this clear, isn't it? He goes, I'll leave that there and I'm not going to see you again. And then he says, if you do, you better be waving a flag high and clear, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he walks out, doesn't he? And he just comes out. And I think I think I quoted this loads and I think this is where this phrase come from. He goes, one more thing. It's been emotional. <laughs> Sorry. That line has just gone down in like cinema history. It's like yeah. one of the most memorable lines from any film. Like that yeah. piece of dialogue, it's been just, emotional. Yeah, it, it's 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 in the bracket of um, Brody coming out and saying we're going to need a bigger boat, isn't it? Um, or Michael Caine saying you're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Yeah, um, it's up there. You think that how, piece of dialogue is up there? You think how many actors would love to have a, a bit of dialogue like that for cinema history? Oh, but man. you've got Vinnie Jones turning up, who's debut film, debut movie, and he comes out of it, doesn't he? Just that one little line, isn't it? And it's great. Yeah. Just pulls it straight. Uh, and obviously they look in the book now, don't they? They see was it Bovarby's, uh the auctions, and it's like each of the guns worth between two hundred and fifty, three hundred pounds. Three hundred k. So with all this carnage and trying to work out how to pay this debt, they've had the money. Well, they've had it there right in front of them, haven't they? Uh, and this is where um, I thought the film kind of tied in with, uh, say, like the Italian job, because you've mm. kind of got that final scene now, isn't it, where, like, Michael Caine and his crew with the gold hanging on the edge of a cliff. You've mm. now got Tom, haven't you, hanging over a bridge <laughs> with the guns, yeah. you know. Is he going to take Tom the film? Yeah. Uh, and then that's where it ends, isn't it? And I think it's very clever how that ends, just on a it's, bit of a cliffhanger. It's so open-ended. Yeah. Did he save the guns? Did he drop the phone? Did he drop the phone and the guns? Did he answer the call? Did he get the guns? You know, it's, open, it's so open to interpretation, and that's yep. one of the things that Guy Ritchie did so bloody well in this movie. Yeah. It's um, it's a good story, good characters. Um, it's got some really good. Uh, like say Lenny, Lenny McLean Sting um, Alan Ford um, Statham's debut S- Statham's debut you've got a really good um, Britpop soundtrack mm. um, and as I mentioned before it almost feels like it's set in another world it's relatable but you, I wouldn't like I say with the old cars and where it's set and what they're wearing um, it's very slick I think he's captured. I think he captured the the East End, the East End of London, like just so well. Yeah. Like if you were going to be in that gangland world around mid nineties, early nineties, mid nineties, like he has just captured that 
perfectly. Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, the, um, there's stuff that goes on in this movie that would, would have been going on, you know, and there would have been characters and games and um, mm, you yeah. would have had, I think Eddie um, and his mates was kind of what it, what it was like to have mates in the, in the 90s. You know, when you was going out and clubbing and all that sort of stuff with their sort of dress and the um, and the camaraderie and the and the jokes they were having between them and that. Yeah. Um, uh, so yes, I think it's just a solid film, and then to have all that, and then just come to the end of this film, and then Guy Ritchie saying, "Let's let's let's leave this on a cliffhanger," so it just leaves the audience to have a little bit of debate at the end, and then. <laughs> forever quote this movie like we do today you know so uh yeah no, it's one, sort th- of one, movie. one thing i one thing i really enjoyed about this mm. movie is the is the injection of of humor um that guy ritchie um, is renowned for mm. just injecting that little bit of humor into like real serious characters yeah yeah i, I think I think he does that quite well yeah it's it it's a very it's a good balance of humor but you still got the, you still feel like you got the threat in this movie with the characters. Yeah. So you feel like the characters are at risk all the time. Yeah. Because they're they're way out of their depth, and the like dog is a badass, and he's a bloke that you probably want to fuck with, same as Barry the Baptist. Yeah. But they've got their humour. And as I said before, they've got a bit of sympathy about them as well and stuff. I don't know, just sort of, it, they're very human, very feel very real. Mm. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, one which I think, when you when you get another film like this come out today, I think people are always going to sort of come out and say, what was that film like? And you go, oh, I was like Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. You know, it's... Yeah. You know, it's it's the same as if a um, like a action adventure movie comes out. Mm-hmm. You might say oh, it's like Indiana Jones. I think yeah. it's kind of got that sort of um, platform in, in cinema. And then, of course, you had after this, you had like Snatch that came out, uh, which yeah. I, I thought was just it's just as good. <laughs> it's just as funny. Snatch is great. Snatch is great. I think he took. I think Guy Ritchie took it. You know that that step that step further. He had the the building block of Lockstock. Knew what he could. Knew what he could accomplish with that, and just built on every scene that he had in Lockstock, and just turned it into Snatch. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's so smooth. Smooth. It's 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 slick. It's gritty. It's yeah. hard hitting. Again, you've got that injection of, of, of black humour, but also keeping with the plot. Like say every, like say every, everyone is at risk. You don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. No, I can't really, I, I can't really fault it either. Really, there's nothing in it where I sort of go. There's no, there's no moments in the film where it's like bland or anything like that, and it runs at a really mm. good pace. And, yeah. Um, also, forgot to mention, there's the use of the um, Cockney language as well, isn't there? When he's down the pub, he's saying, you know, talk, talk about the sky rocket, and um, <laughs> you know, like the jam, jam rolls and. You know, the, it, it, and it, they have to use like subtitles, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> like from the beginning to the end, it's just a, it's just a thrill ride. Yeah. I it's mean, just, it's, it's literally edge of your seat, literally all the way through. It's brilliant. Yeah. That's um, like I say, and like I say, there's all the other films like Snatch and The Gentleman. I think The Gentleman is his latest one. I haven't uh, seen it yet. 
looking well, forward to that one. I haven't seen it either, to be honest with you. I keep meaning to watch it, but um, yeah. Maybe we should review that next. Yeah, we'll, we'll take a look at that. So. <laughs> um, yeah, so there you go, mate. Um, thanks for coming on to the show today, Mark. No worries, mate. It's been, it's been a pleasure. It's always good to catch up with you. It's been such a long time since since I've talked to you properly. I think last time was I popped around to your house. Which, you know what? I, I had it flag up on my phone. It was actually to, to this this time last year, to the very day. First no! Of, first of August, mate. Yeah, that was it. Bloody yeah. hell. Yeah. Um, the weather was a little bit better, mate, I think, because I think we were sat outside and having the barbie and that. And... Yeah, that was a nice day, that was. Sat there chilling that in the cowboy nice hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, um, yeah, no, cheers for coming on, mate. Um, like I say, I'm, I'm stoked to hear about your new job, which uh, which we'll probably talk a little bit more about uh, next time you come on, once you know things start yeah. to come out and stuff like that. So, Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah um, it's a shame I can't talk about it, to be honest, because no. there's, there's so many amazing projects Honestly, that, that mate, I'm, I'm I, I totally appreciate that, mate. So that's that's not a problem at all. All right, guys. Well, uh, but I was there was one one more thing before you go, mate. Oh, uh, yeah, one more thing. I was I was uh, I don't know if you saw that thing I put on Facebook of me dressed as a chef. Yeah, you played um, yeah kitchen porter or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Was I, it? I was a kitchen I was in kitchen porter in a movie that's coming out called Free Guard. Right. Uh, it's James Norton directed it, and uh, he's a fantastic actor. If you've not if you've not seen any of his stuff, uh, yeah. he was uh, in Happy Valley. That series. Um, he's in a film on Netflix at the moment called Things Seen and Heard. Yeah. Which is a again horror film, good film, brilliant film. Um, but yeah, I'm just in one scene with with him. I'm oh, just what? smoking a cigarette in my in a in a chef's penny, and he walks past me, gives me a nod, and I nod it and back, and that's it. That, that is my little role in Free Guard. Mate, I can when you showed me that picture, you did look the part. Um, I could actually see you in a Guy Ritchie film as well I'd love to be in a guy Richie. I could see you in that sure. do you know what I mean because as, as we said before mate it's a bit, a bit of the old staff about you old Jason Statham <laughs> yeah I don't I mean I've, I've been I've been told that a lot which yeah. is it's, it's great but it's flattering I mean he's just a legend let's be honest he is I, I think he's got, had some bloody good parts he has he's done really well He's he's become a bit of an action well he, he hasn't become a bit he has become an action hero hasn't he um, yeah, like it or lump it, yes. <laughs> I mean, but I've, I think what's good about Jason Statham is I don't think he goes out there to be anything that he, that he isn't. He just, when you see his name now, you just think there's going to be an action film and I think people are okay with that, you know, he's having a good time, you know. Um, I think his breakthrough role was the transporter. I think that really sort of took him up, up the level. Yeah, that um, was a good film. Saw, I that, think that was a very good film, actually. I think that's a Luke Besson movie. I'm sure it's uh, the guy that directed uh, Leon. It's got a French feel to it, hasn't it? Yeah, it certainly has. Um, but yeah, that's good. But no, um, yeah, he's <laughs> a, he's a legend. And like I say, I think um, all the other actors did quite well. Um, I think Jason Fleming's done done some great acting roles elsewhere um, and Dexter Fletcher has become like a director producer now hasn't he, he directed um, uh, Rocket Man he was a producer he for Bohemian Rhapsody well do you know the Bohemian Rhapsody the 
I think it was Brian Singer directed Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. And he left he left the job with two weeks to go. And then Dexter Fletcher took up stood up and directed the last two weeks of filming. Right. Um, and then I think that's obviously what got him the job for um, Rocket Man, isn't it? And he also yeah. did um, Eddie the Eagle as well. Um, he oh, he did. That's a good film. That's that's a great film. Taron Egerton is just amazing, isn't he? Yeah, it? he's doing really well as well, isn't he? You know, he's he's yeah. another uh, he's another sort of guy, Richie. Someone I could see him directing down down the lines. You know what I mean? He's got that sort of, especially where he did. Um, Oh, what was that? For? Kingsman. Kingsman, yeah, that was it. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> oh, dear. But it was, it was Luke, Luke Besson that actually wrote The Transporter. I thought he did. Yeah, I thought it was a Luke Besson type movie. 2002, blimey. Yeah, because he's done, obviously, Leon, Ronin, um, mm. Nikita. Good um, films, man. He, did, he also did... Um, oh... From Paris with Love, which is a film which I think is kind of unrate, underrated. It's a good action movie. From uh, Paris with Love? Yeah, it's got... Um, oh. Guy from Greece and Pulp Fiction. Oh, what's his name? John Travolta? John Travolta. Yeah, he plays like a CIA agent. He's got like a rookie under his wing and he has to fight oh, ter- terrorists in France. Um, did you ever see? Did you, did you ever see the film Taxi? Uh, no, I don't think French, I have. French, French, French film. Oh right, okay. No, I haven't seen that. Oh mate, go and check that out. It's a it's a French movie. Um, French, it's English subtitles. But Luc Besson um, wrote that, and for me, it's probably one of my favourite car films of all time. Oh right, okay. Have to check it's that basically out. it's basically this taxi driver who drives a, a box, you know, like a, a box standard Peugeot four oh six. I think it is a Peugeot four oh six, bright yeah. white. Yeah. And um, he turns. He's got like a turbo button, so he can like put it into like a turbo mode. So then all these bits, all these bits on the per- it's just a Peugeot four hundred six, and all these bits come out of the car, and he's got yeah. like a spoiler that comes up, and it just nitrous oxide. Man, that, check it out, man. That, check it out. Funny, funny you say that because um, that that does take me back to the nineties of the times when we had the old um, XR twos and Peugeot three hundred fives and whatever. And, Mm. Everybody was trying to sort of do stuff like that to their cars. If you know, oh, you know, like get get a big spoiler, get a subwoofer in the back, and yeah, guess guess satellite dish on top of the car. Honestly, man, like this this film, it's just it's genius. It it's all filmed in France. Yeah. Um, Luke Besson's just done a fantastic job on it, and I love the fact he's taken a '97 Peugeot 406 and equipped it with various racing modifications. Yeah. And which are concealed, and like I say, when he presses the button, all these all these um, uh, modifications sort of come out, and then he just he just steams it around the around France. Oh well, okay. And oh, well, there's there's other there's other like multi there's like other vehicle collisions and other cars. So you've got like uh, Mercedes, like red Mercedes Benz, like the 500Es in in some of the car chases. Some of the epic, some really epic epic um, yeah. car chases. I must admit, and the, the lead. The lead in this film, he's, he's, he's uh, I can't think of his name, Sami Nasseri plays a guy called Daniel in it. He wears a, a Zinedine Zidane French um, World Cup winning shirt. Oh, right. That's, that, that is his outfit. I'll have to check that out because I do like the, um, I do like a driving movie. Um, I was particularly fond, talking about driving films, uh, Drive with Ryan Gosling. Uh, well, that was good. I've not seen that one. Have you not, mate? You need to go and check that out. No. Yeah, I heard the, the soundtrack's pretty 
pretty live. Uh, yeah, it's like a sort of new wave synth soundtrack. Uh, nice. There's, there's right a, up my street then. Right, I'll, I'll send it to you after this. It's um, a band called College, and it's called Real Hero. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Play that in your car, mate. If you're, I, I, funny enough, I, I did it um, through lockdown because I was still having to drive into work, and yeah. I I finished a night shift. Or no, I was going in for nights, and it was all dark mm. in London. It was desolate. There was nothing else around. Yeah. And um, I felt like Will Smith out of I Am Legend. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I was driving the MR2 on the streets of London. There was no one else around. Dark, mm. yeah. and I was playing that song, and it was just amazing. Do you know what I mean? It was just like this will never happen again because there was no one in London. I'm driving my car through it, and it's just crazy. Oh, so there you go. But I'll send you the song. Um, Dude, send me the song, I'll listen to yeah. that. Yeah, alright mate, okay, Mark, well listen mate, uh, it's uh, been an absolute blast having you on the show, couldn't think of anybody else better to have on here to talk about lock, stock and two smoking barrels. Brilliant film, <laughs> really enjoyed it, thank you so much. Nah, you're RJ. welcome mate, okay. Alright guys, well, also, I hope you enjoyed the episode, um, we've got to wrap the show up now, and as always, um, a little bit of admin for the show, I'm a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network, so please go and check out all the other shows on there. Um, including my other podcast which is the Mystery Vault podcast where I talk about all things strange and unexplained and spooky Um, you can find the show on iTunes and Spotify and YouTube and several other players um, if you put in uh, Bite Size Cinema Podcast Um, got a Facebook page where I'm most active um, so that's the best place to contact me let me know if there's any films you want me to review and um, What's coming up next is going to be the Evil Dead 2, um, and I've got uh, Mark Ball, who's a fellow podcaster, coming on to talk to me about that. Um, and then there'll be a few other um, solo shows that I'll be producing as well, so look out for those. So there you go. Um, as always, keep it bite-sized, keep it safe, and I'll see you soon. I've got one more thing. <laughs> go on. It's been emotional. It's been emotional, yes. Boom, there you go. That's right. <laughs> okay, see you later, people. this show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero go show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark metal health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a wide spread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. 
horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.